Salute! Slancha. Cheers! Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and events with your guide, master of mixology, and Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. So sit back and get ready to stir it up. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on 570 KVI. And welcome to Happy Hour. It is 11 o'clock on Saturday. It's Happy Hour, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us right here on 570 KVI for Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, your advanced sommelier, your commodore of cocktails, your master mixologist and weekend wine guy, Christopher Chan. So excited that you're here. Tell your friends about us because the more, the merrier. If you'd like to play at home, check out some previous segments that we've produced. Please visit me at happyhourradio.net. And for those of you who are pining to ask a question about that wine pairing, what spirits or cocktails to do for that special party, you can ask me anything. Send us an email at ask at happyhourradio.net. Well, I just got back from Walla Walla on this week <laughs> on Monday for a long weekend. Hey, we celebrated 30 years of the Walla Walla Valley wine region, and it uh, it was fantastic, a lot of fun. I hope you'll plan to make uh, make some plans, I should say, to visit Walla Walla because they're having a big throwdown, the Celebrate Syrah event, June 19th and 21st, 60 Washington wineries, wineries from Paso Robles, uh, Australia. Hey, we're celebrating Syrah. You want to check out check it out and get some details? Visit wallawallawine.com. Hey, and speaking of fun events to do, uh, it's Taste Washington weekend today. Come on down to CenturyLink, pick up a ticket, and meet 200 winemakers and 67 restaurants. And well, look for me in the crowd. Find Waldo, find Chris, and Happy Hour Radio. It's happening today and tomorrow, so don't miss it. It's a annual event that's fantastic. If you can't make it this weekend, hey, visit me next Saturday, April 5th, for debuts and discoveries. It's uh, a big benefit for the University Food Bank. Uh, wineries, breweries, distilleries, and food trucks. Should be lots of fun. My pal David DeClaire puts that on. Tickets and information available at udistrictfoodbank.org. And finally, I want to thank Woodenville Wine Country for being one of our sponsors our partners here on the program uh, join me and, uh, well, Chris Gorman and many other fabulous winemakers up in Woodenville for the Reserve Night, which is Friday, April 25th. 7P to 10P, we're talking, uh, well, the richest feast of wine in the state. An evening of nothing but award-winning 90-plus rated vintages and wines, I imagine. <laughs> um, details available at woodenvillewinecountry.com. Uh, excited about today's show. We have uh, a fantastic lineup. I've got Nathan Kaiser of Two Bar Spirits, uh, one of Washington's new distilleries. He's down in Soto. I also have uh, the lovely and uh, talented Betsy and Dale Shiro, who are the proprietors of Seattle Caviar Company, uh, caviar.com, for all your your wine. Was it champagne dreams and caviar wishes? We'll figure that out. And also have Madeline Puckett here, and she is a graphic designer extraordinaire, one of our Seattle Psalms, and she 
owns the company winefolly.com. She's got great educational information and uh, really fun stuff. Excited to talk to her. But right now, it's, uh, it's time to turn on your inner rock star. I've got Chris Gorman of Gorman Winery. He, uh, well, he started about 14 years ago here in Washington, making something called Syrah, and now he has a host of really fun labels and wine names like Zachary's Ladder, the Albatross, the Bully. Um, hey, check him out on at GormanWinery.com. And Chris, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks for having me, Mr. Chan. How so are I'm great. This is always fun here at Happy Hour. We have glasses of wine, we've got caviar, we've got spirits, and we've got, <laughs> we've got you. Hey, 2002 was your first vintage, correct? Yes. And um, you were in the wine business prior to 2002. Tell us a little bit about that uh, that evolution. I was on the streets selling the wine, but uh, fell into it right out of college. First job. Uh, didn't want to be in the wine business and, and really probably never opened up a bottle of wine in my life, uh, but ended up getting a, a job just to uh, get down to Seattle. I was going to school up in Bellingham. A band member of mine had a job. Uh, working for a wine company, and I just signed on with them, and uh, the rest is history. I worked my way up through, you know, cleaning a floor to driving a forklift to selling wines, and uh, when I left the job in '07, um, probably had one of the best wine jobs. Just selling, I was selling you wine. <laughs> you were. I remember Club. those days. Yeah, yep. no, it was a great job, but I learned a lot. Drank a million wines, and you know, drank a half million bad wines, and uh, kind of learned. Uh, the trade through that way and just picked up uh, fermentation along the way. Interesting you say that because I've always said if you taste the best, you can figure out the rest. But if you taste the worst, it's like, well, you want something better to begin with anyway. So you, you yeah, well, you got to know what a bad wine tastes like, uh, especially if you're making wine. You know, that's you, true. You don't want to do it. That's true. So um, you started uh, pioneering and um, promoting Red Mountain as your first grape source. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And working on. on Syrah, and uh, now you have what twelve different labels. Hard to say. Um, I do some stuff specifically for the club, uh, but for the most part, I'm about six uh, regular wines. Six like, core. They're always there. And then I change it up for the club, and then I have my uh, new winery that we're releasing right now called uh, Ashen Cellars. Ashen Cellars. So uh, for those of you who are out there, go, go to the website. It's uh, gormanwinery.com, and you can check out some of the red wines he has there. Uh, but now he has a white wine. Chris, you have got an Ashon or Ashan? Uh, either way, All right. uh, I'm okay with both. Uh, it's probably pronounced a Sean. I call it Ashen. Uh, it's uh, kind of a Hebrew Arabic word that means smoky, and I thought it sounded uh, pretty good for a Chardonnay project because uh, we're kind of focusing on barrel fermented single vineyard uh, Chardonnays from around the state. So we've brought in uh, Kestrel, uh, which you have in your glass right now. So the oldest vines in Washington State. Very small plot, 1972 plantings of Chardonnay. Wow. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Original rootstock, uh, Wenny clone, and four-acre plot. I get one of them. Uh, they're kind enough to sell me uh, one acre of that. So, and What's the uh, tonnage on that? for? What's the yield for a 35-year-old vineyard? Uh, so that one, uh, tons per acre 14. in 2012 was uh, two and a half tons. Two and a half um, tons. Yeah, Our, and I actually just had to look at the back label on that one <laughs> because uh, my back label has every bit of information on this wine uh, from soil type and geography and vineyard manager. So they, well, that's cool. They like me out there. I've always told my uh, some uh, students 
that everything you need to know or servers is really on the, a wine label. It's on the bottle already. You can sound so poetic and so educated by just reading what's on the label. And yeah. so that's good. You've got it here. This is a vintage 2012. 2012. Chardonnay. It smells fantastic. It says it's barrel fermented 100%? 100% barrel fermented, yeah. Yeah, so this was done in uh, kind of a specific barrel for us, uh, all in one barrel called Gutierre Cooperage. Which no one ever uses. You mean one Cooper? One Cooper. Yes. Okay, yeah, not yeah. one barrel. Yeah. Yeah. So well, this is a six barrel blend. So. Six, okay. Uh, and that's regular barrique? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Standard 60 gallon barrel. And when we say barrique, that's a, a nod to the uh, Bordeaux casks, the casks of oak that they've aged Bordeaux wine. Um, speaking with Chris Gorman here on Happy Hour Radio and excited to taste is a Sean Ashen. Ashen, that's what I'm calling it. That's what you're calling it. Ashen Chardonnay, a new project. Um, when we get back from this break, we're going to talk about the wine, and uh, I'm going to have a chance to sip it. And uh, stay tuned for uh, the rest of our lineup today with uh, Nathan Kaiser of Two Bars, Dale and Betsy Sherrill of Seattle Caviar, and Madeline Puckett from Wine Folly here on Happy Hour Radio. Enjoy fine wine, you're in the right place at the right time. Washington is home to over 700 wineries and now has more 90 plus rated wines than any region in the world. On April 25th, uncork the best of the best during Woodenville Reserve Night at Willows Lodge. This is arguably the richest evening of wine in the Northwest. Nothing but award winning 90 plus rated Washington vintages. Woodenville Reserve Night, it doesn't get any better than this. See WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. Join me every Saturday right here at 11 a.m. on 570 KVI. And save the date, June 19th through 21st, for Celebrate Walla Walla Wine, the world of Syrah. Tickets and information at wallawallawine.com. Time for another round. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio, Seattle's most spirited hour. Sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night. With Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. And welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I am your host, Christopher Chan, speaking today uh, with one of my fine featured guests, Chris Gorman of Gorman Winery. And we're going to taste, I've got a beautiful golden liquid in my glass. Chris, this is the Ashen Chardonnay. So tell us about uh, the fermentation and uh, the vineyard, etc. Okay, so uh, the one you're drinking is uh, Kestrel Vineyard. Uh, they're located in Yakima. And there's also a winery named Kestrel who uses the remainder of this uh, this acreage. Uh Small plot. I think there's probably only 10 tons of this fruit available, but it is the oldest Chardonnay vines available in Washington State. Uh, we treat it pretty gently, a uh, very kind of old school process for Chardonnay, uh, gently pressed. Uh, as soon as uh, we start to get any kind of um, pressure in the press, we divert that juice into another tank and we use it for a different wine. So all the uh, gentle press goes into a tank, settles out, uh, we cold stabilize it, and then we put it right into brand new French oak barrels. Uh, we do not inoculate it, so we leave a little headspace in these barrels. So a, a live yeast will eventually uh, take hold on this wine. Uh, it usually takes anywhere between seven to ten days for it to start to happen. Uh, in that time, you you 
put your nose into it and it doesn't smell great. It starts to turn brown. It's everything <laughs> you don't want in a wine at that point. But fermentation is a very natural uh, kind of healing process. And uh, all that kind of cooks out uh, during the fermentation. And it takes about two weeks for it to finish its uh, primary fermentation. That's where yeast eats the sugar and turns it into alcohol and CO2. And after that, uh, we hope that uh, malolactic bacteria gets involved and helps it uh, finish through. This didn't go fully through uh, malolactic. I was going to say, I'm tasting it, and it's got great acidity. The acidity is nice and bright, and uh, which is a, a good hallmark, well, a hopeful hallmark for Washington mm-hmm. Chardonnay. I mean, we have a pretty warm site, and I think we've done a lot of Chardonnay in the state, but we haven't yet mastered it. And I think this is a good start towards mastering um, a vineyard site and then what this, the grape gives you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're... We're not new with Chardonnay, but no one's ever really focused on it too much in Washington State. So I believe this is one of the first projects that I've done four Chardonnays uh, released at one time. You're doing four Chardonnays? Four Chardonnays. So there's, uh, I also do a Connerly Vineyard. Oh. I do Celilo down in uh, Columbia Gorge area, mm-hmm. beautiful area. And then I do a stainless steel version of uh, all these combined with another vineyard. All under the Ashen label? All under Ashen, yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah. exciting. You know, I actually hung out with Brennan Layton in Walla Walla yeah, this weekend, yeah. and I tasted his Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. Look out. Yeah. Holy smokes. That's, uh, I'm just, I got chills just saying that. Oh my goodness. I'm a big Chardonnay fan. I love white wine because I can drink four bottles of white wine before dinner and I'm not tired. <laughs> well, I mean, taste it, open it up. You know, we need lots of, uh, lots of stimulation. So this Ashen Chardonnay is released. Uh, it just got released last week for the first time. And it's on your website or just a different website? A uh, different website. So it's just ashencellars.com, A-S-H-A-N. And while you're pouring me some of yeah. the Bully, which is your Red Mountain Cabernet Sauvignon, um, I understand you you started in Woodenville. So when you got your winery or when you found your spot or your, in those days, it was a storage locker, right? <laughs> yeah, Woodenville is loaded with warehouses. What year was that? So 2006, I officially moved into the home I have now. Uh before that, so the four prior years, I worked out of a couple wineries. Uh, Owen Sullivan, I did uh, for about a year or so. I worked a little bit at Woodenville Wine Cellars, uh, which is pretty common in the wine business. Yeah, of course. You, you tend to be a bit of a kind of vagabond winemaker for a couple of years, and then you get your own spot. But 06, I, uh, I have the same address uh, since then. And that's quite a place. You've got the tasting room right next to a pizza place. We Yeah, it's an awesome setup. So if you're going to the... Woodenville kind of uh, downtown or the Hollywood district is what they're calling it lately. Uh, I'm in a spot with a pizza joint and uh, Patterson Cellars, and it's awesome. It That's, used to be a gas station two years ago, and now it's uh, I got the best patio in the Yeah, you do. I love it, and, I, and I'm a big pizza fan, and I'm a big wine fan, of course. Uh, speaking with Chris Gorman of Gorman Winery, you can check out uh, his red wines on gormanwinery.com and the Ashen... Portfolio? Yes. Ashencellars.com. Dot com. So you poured me this uh, bully. Where'd you get these fun names? Uh, They're frivolous and fun, but uh, they kind of absolutely describe the varietal that I'm using. So from the beginning, I had four wines. Uh, I had had the Pixie, which kind of represented my uh, uh, Syrahs. Bully represented kind of the shouldered Cabernet off of Red Mountain. Uh, Zachary's Ladder, named after my son, celebrating his 13th birthday today. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, the Big Sissy is my Chardonnay that I do under Gorman. Oh, that's right. You label. do have the white wine, the Big Sissy. Yeah. And that's yeah. been very popular. You've done extremely well with uh, some of the national critics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's a good place to be in right now. Business is competitive, and uh, the points don't necessarily make the wine better, but they certainly sell a little quicker. 
<laughs> and that always helps because it really you have to sell it. You can make the best wine, but if you're not selling it, well, then there's a cash flow issue here. And um, well, speaking of flow, this wine, this bully is very approachable, but it's got a lot of power on the finish. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, I take that as a compliment. I, I, I wanted to make uh, very powerful cabs out of uh, Red Mountain primarily. And so much like the Chardonnay you just tried, this has some of the oldest vines, uh, actually the oldest vines on Red Mountain. So it's the- 19- who's that? So it's a 1975 planting on- CL. No, actually. Ooh. So it's dun, Ke- dun. Keona Vineyards. Uh, uh, it's Keona's home block. Of course. Uh, it's 1975, but it was planted along with Jim from CL when they were co-owners of Keona back in the day. Then he moved across the street and actually planted a third of an acre in 1975. So there's there's two 1975 plantings right across the street from each other. I actually get a little bit of that, too, that I make for the... Uh, the Force Majeure project. Oh, that's right. So you are a winemaker for uh, Gorman Wines, Ashen, and Force Majeure with uh, Paul McBride. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then stuff. Mark Ryan and I have the other winery. And I want to uh, talk about Grape Killers quickly. What yeah. is that all about? That sounds so fun. Grape Killers is fun. So it's a bunch of 40-something winemakers that people still call us kids. Um, we started as a group about uh, seven years ago, and we just we kind of grew up together in the wine business. And so it's me, Bear, Mark Ryan, Guardian, Darby, Sparkman, Tim Stevens from Stevens Winery. And uh, we all started. We were kind of a a new wave of winemakers probably about 10 years ago. So we formed kind of a loose marketing group. And uh, it's been good for us. How And what events do you got coming up? For grape killers, so we do a holiday in the hood every uh, every Christmas time, and that's that's been a real big success. So it's usually like the weekend after the big St. Nick's uh, that Woodenville Wine Country puts on, and uh, it's it's basically like a seven winery tour of the warehouse district up there, and we all have food and wine, and it's it's a great event. Food and wine, you got me. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, speaking of Woodenville, so we've got the Reserve Night coming up on yeah. Friday, April 25th, and you've got Cellars and Skillets on the May 3rd, and then mm-hmm. we've got Passport, right? This is Last Call. Uh, last Call for Passport. Last uh, call. We may see a reinvention of it in the, the later years, uh, kind of a reorganization of it, but this is the last kind of big uh, group tasting uh, I hear there's an event called Guzzle coming up, too. Guzzle? Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good. I'm yeah, going to start it's, one. It's short-lived, though. we got an hour tasting, so Guzzle. Uh, <laughs> hey, lots of fun. Good to see you. Congratulations on your Ash and Chardonnay project. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. And um, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. That's Chris Gorman of GormanWinery.com, Ashen and Force Majeure. So check him out in Woodenville. It's got the... Uh, the Really cool tasting room there on the roundabout with the pizza place. And I'm sure you'll see him up in Woodenville for the reserve night. Um, hey, Madeline Puckett, you started a company called Wine Folly. And I've known you for many years as one of the Psalms in Seattle. And um, we've always uh, enjoyed your your style. And I'm looking at uh, this these wonderful, what should we call these? These are wine educational tools. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, before we get into me talking about infographics and learning about wine, I, I think that it's really hard as a winemaker to really talk about your wines. This wine's delicious. It tastes like sort of like this pineapple note. Into Chardonnay, this, yes. Into the cinnamon and brown sugar. It's got all these other like kind of creamy notes, that, but the, but they're more nuanced. It's not overly buttery but you have that nice vanilla sort of like i just ate a pineapple upside down cake and now i'm real happy <laughs> oh 
that's funny. Um, medium toast on the barrels, Chris? Uh, these are, yes. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was saying there, this wasn't too overdone on it's the char. Not, it's just, not yeah. overdone, but like it's got, it's just, it's like hits my face. Like it's so <laughs> awesome. Sometimes I like it when wines, you know, kind of punch me around a little bit. I like that too. And with that, I should actually say, Madeline Puckett, welcome to Happy Hour. <laughs> this yeah. is how we roll. I, I've been drinking. I don't know about you guys, but this stuff's tasty. This is tasty. And um, so are your cool infographics. You've All got right. some tasty stuff. So tell us about your pest history. You are okay, uh, an so- artist, a psalm, a musician. What do you got? I, I, You know, I started out, I always wanted to be a rock star, just like Chris Gorman over here. Yeah, whew. I studied uh, music technology at CalArts. I was doing music production. I was, you know, really obsessed with speakers and sound systems and all that kind of thing, and really interested in technical data and, and mathematics. And then I decided to dual major because I realized, you know, if you want to be a musician, you, you can't make any money doing it. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll be a graphic designer too. So I got a dual major degree in art and music technology. I get out of school. I start working um, in L- I lived in L.A. And I was working for like a poster company doing sort of like movie posters, but for like horror and genre entertainment. So real weird stuff. And I burnt out. I just I, I it was like I was a real bright, bright flame. And I got sick and tired of the industry and the music thing wasn't taking off. And I moved out of the area. I moved to Reno, Nevada to get the, the hell out of the area. And started drinking i was always drinking started drinking i started drinking i moved to reno and i started (laughs) drinking and i i started i tasted a cote de rhone and it tasted like olives and i was amazed that a wine that's supposed to taste like fruit tasted like olives and that's where i started my path down wine education self-study and I started working at a wine bar just on the side while working as a graphic designer trying to do the whole music thing. Reno has a wine bar? They have one wine bar, okay. and I worked there. It was, And they had 50 wines by the glass. And I made friends with all the distributors, and they'd come in and blind taste me all the time. It was like, let's challenge Madeline. Because I, you know, I, I realized I had a pretty good palate. I could, I could figure out what the Albarino was or if it was from the south of, of Italy or, you know, something like that. Eventually, friends pressured me to take the certified exam um, with Quartermasters, which is your your uh, adva- yeah Quartermasters sommeliers yeah advanced. And um, I took the certified exam up here in Seattle, and I was drinking at the top of the tallest building with some friends that we met at the exam. We were all real stressed out. We hadn't known if we passed yet. And I looked out across the city of Seattle. Uh, it, w- it was at the Columbia Tower Club, and I just was like, I want to I want to move here. I want to move here. I want to do wine. This is what I want to do. An epiphany. I had a moment. It's nice to do that on top of a building while looking out. You kind of feel like you're in control of things. And I started Wine Folly in 2011, and it was a website designed to help people get into wine. That's my goal. I want to get you know, someone who's just going down the first steps of learning about wine to learn how to learn about wine and how to get into it. Because there's no... You can become a sommelier and work in the business, but what if you just want to do it casually and have a fun life of wine and enjoy yourself and drink it with food or, or you know, to try different varietals? Like, how do you how do you travel through the wine world? There's there's over thirteen hundred different grape varieties. So, like, how do you know where to start? We start with winefolly.com. <laughs> Is that right? 
Thank you, yeah. <laughs> On your path if you to enlightenment, the Dalai Lama moment of wine education is here. We have Madeline Puckett here with WineFolly.com. And coming up on the show, I've got Seattle Caviar Company, Dale and Betsy Shero, and then we're going to touch base with my pal Nathan Kaiser of Two Bar Spirits. Hey, remember, if you have a question, email us. Ask at happyhourradio.net. We'll be right back. through 21st, the world is converging on Walla Walla. The world of Syrah, that is. Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine, the world of Syrah, with winemaker panels, tastings, dining, and more. Compare Syrah wines from Casa Robles and Sonoma, California, Yara Valley, Australia, and over 60 Walla Walla wineries. Get tickets at wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Don't wait. Space is limited, and it's filling up fast. That's wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Hi, this is Christopher Chan, your host of Happy Hour Radio. Hey, join me Friday, April 25th for Reserve Night in Woodenville. The best of 90-plus rated vintages, winemakers, food, and lots of fun. Check out WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. The glass is always half full. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night, with the Commodore of Cocktails, Christopher Chan. Hey, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, so excited to have Miss Madeline Puckett of WineFolly.com. She is a wine educator in a visual way, and she's provided us, well, provided me, and for all those who are wanting to learn about wine, providing you, too, the opportunity to, well, t- to elevate your spirit with wine knowledge. So, Madeline, tell us about some of these fantastic posters you have. Well, sure. Uh, you know, one of our early popular posters is called the different types of wine and you know as you know there are many different types of wine out there in the world that kind of start with white red rosé fortified wines and sparkling wines so with that as the idea of the poster it sucks because we can't see him while talking but just imagine a poster with radiating around red is going to all these other different descriptors in terms of how it tastes. So if you're looking for something that's more like strawberries or if you're looking for something that's more like turned earth or herbal savory characteristics, we can lead you into a region or a particular varietal such as Cabernet Sauvignon or Pinot Noir or France Côte de Fransac in Bordeaux. This is uncannily simple. I mean, I love it because it looks very complex, but when you talk about wine, people are visual learners. And here we have the center, which is red, and to the left is fruity red, straight ahead is sweet red, and to the right is savory red. If we want savory, we got black pepper and gravel. Then we're talking about Chinon, the Cabernet Franc in Loire Valley, or Pomerol. Mm. And this is really, really cool because you do that for white wines, you do that for rosé wines, and uh, sparkling wines as well. Well, it's difficult because, you know, when you go into France, uh, you know, everybody's goal to learn about wine is to learn France and Italy. But when you go into France, it's not named by varietal. It's named by the region. How do you know what the white grape of Burgundy is? What do you know what the red grape or grapes of Bordeaux are? And then what does it actually taste like? Once you learn, once you try a Cabernet Sauvignon from America and then you're like, I want to get a cab from France and you try it, you're going to be 
either disappointed, upset, or confused. Ha ha! You're gonna say ha ha! I like <laughs> that. Ha <laughs> ha!、Uh-huh. It's very confusing. I always thought the problem with France is they don't speak English. That was my problem. <laughs> well, it's it's a gr- it's a great way to to try to understand how flavors are different in different regions. And when you become an expert, I I often forget that it's not about oh well this is Burgundy it's a Chardonnay duh. You know, you you have to help people understand it by their their understanding of what taste is. Do we want something that's a little, you know, zesty and refreshing and goes really well with fish, you know, or did you want something that's a light lighter alcohol? Maybe you might want a French wine because it's they tend to be a cooler climate. They're a little lighter in alcohol, so I have a lot of information and, and to t- talk about alcohol levels.、Um, the basic wine guide is another infographic we did. Um, sort of outlining the real basics to get you going with what happens in terms of color,、um, what happens even in terms of calories, how much calories are in a glass, because a lot of people care about. Well, I'm. I、drinking. don't want to know. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to know. Well, this is cool. The basic wine guide has wine glasses,、uh, wine with food and tasting tips, and you have another poster here that says food and wine pairing. That's really cool. Uh, I like that it gives you a whole breakdown of the proteins and vegetables, and then、um, you got wine descriptors. How long does it take you to sort of、uh, be inspired in the creative side for you to produce these? These are really wonderful. Okay, so I, you know, first you have to figure out how. It's actually really hard because first you have to figure out what it is that people really want to know, and understanding the basic. Perspective is is hard when you know a lot about wine. So I'm constantly asking people like, "What do you taste? What are you looking for? You know, what do you like about wine?" And you know, they come up back with simple answers. Well, I like a red wine, but I I want something that's got you know big bigger bolder flavors. So I'm like, okay. So <laughs> I, I like need... how you change your voice there to have two different people. I got some bigger bolder flavors <laughs> over here. Um, so I. I try to understand that perspective, and then I go, okay. Based on what I know about wine, how do I help them understand wine better in in a, a way that helps them find what they want? How do they know that Morvedra is a great wine to try if you love Syrah? You know, nobody would tell you that any other way, other than maybe you can find one of these charts and look at it, and it's the the answer is right there. And, and you find the answer, and there's the answer at winefolly.com. <laughs> I like this wine descriptions、uh, poster because it reminds me of a subway map with the different color lines, and and you've got let's see, so body style tannin for tannin, you've got aggressive, grippy, smooth, opulent. Uh, for oak, you've got smoky and charcoal. For fruit, jammy to plummy to tropical.、Uh, these are fantastic, and people can buy these on on your website, correct? Yeah, we sell them as posters. We get them printed locally in C- Seattle. They're made on a, a really amazing paper stock.、Um, it's all lithograph quality art prints, and、uh, you know, to talk about the descriptions, this one I was really inspired by because I used to read wine descriptions online because I was an online wine shopper. And well, I still am. And I try to read between in the the lines of what they're actually meaning meaning by the descriptions, because people will say, "Well, it's got well, it's real soft." What the heck does that mean? Come on, soft. <laughs> what 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 does that mean in terms of how it tastes? And what what am I getting into when I'm getting a soft wine?、Hmm. What am I getting into when、Let's、I'm getting、see. a gripping or an austere? Look up austere.、Oh, that one's soft. Lower tannin. Lower tannin. That's what you put. 
It's got it's ten really lower tannin. Generally, it's not going to hit you. So where did you put the the term nice? I don't see the term nice here by descriptors. And everyone <laughs> talks about hey, this wine's nice. <laughs> this wine is nice. Right at the top, apparently. Well, I don't know. Does nice tell you anything? Like oh yeah, she's nice. Yeah, nice. She's nice. Nice fruit. It's... Nice acid. Nice. <laughs> oh, well, I love your uh, tagline, Madeline. Um, wine folly, learn by drinking. That's it. That's all we have to do. But really, there's more to it. These posters are fantastic. Uh, if you'd like to find these posters, it's winefolly.com. And Madeline Pocket, let's have you on again because we only just scratched the proverbial surface uh, of these soft posters that you provided. What is that? Soft. Mean? Soft. <laughs> <laughs> Grippy posters. Yes. Um, Thanks for being on Happy Hour Radio. Will you come back? Heck yes. Heck yes, because we got wine. As long as you got wine. <laughs> we got spirits, and we have caviar. Um, speaking of caviar, it's Dale and Betsy Shero of SeattleCaviar.com. I've been really excited. This has been on my top 10 guest list uh, for, well, forever, and I finally had a chance to reach out to you and say, hey, let's talk about caviar. Betsy and Dale, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you very much. It's so nice to be here. Thank you, Christopher. It's good to be here, too. So, Dale, how did you find caviar? How did caviar find you? Well, I'm going to have to really defer to Betsy because caviar didn't find me. It found Betsy more than it did me. But (laughs) to begin with, I grew up around the Columbia River, and there was a great caviar production down in the Columbia River coming out of Astoria in that region. So that's where I started, and then Betsy took me on from there. So, Betsy, tell us how we got started. Okay. We, um, Dale's always been in the seafood industry, and being from the Pacific Northwest, um, we just couldn't figure out why there wasn't any fresh caviar. Uh, we would, uh, Dale exported tons of salmon caviar to the French while visiting in, in, in France. We saw all the wonderful caviar houses there and came home and said, we need to do this here. What year is this? Uh, 1990. Ah, fantastic. So it's been a while. Back in aught six. Aught six. Mm-hmm. Is that, what's aught six mean? Oh, <laughs> that's one of the rifles I have. <laughs> ah, stay back. Um, well, so you were traveling the world. You were in France, and you uh, saw these fantastic caviar houses. Um, caviar by nature, is there a definition of caviar? In the U.S., it's any single salted roe can be considered caviar. Uh, in Europe, it's specifically sturgeon from the Caspian Sea, beluga, etc., and sevruga. So uh, we have the Caspian Sea, which is, uh, where is the Caspian Sea? Is that in the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Well, <laughs> so it's, there's five countries that border the Caspian Sea. There's going to be Russia, Azerbaijan, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan, and Iran. Ah, right. Iranian. Yes. And that was where the main caviar production, well, I'm not going to say the main caviar production. The main caviar production really was out of uh, the Columbia River at the turn of the century and on the East Coast in the Hudson River until we utilized all those stocks and um, shipped most of that caviar to Europe, quite honestly. Right, yeah. A lot of it was used also in bars in San Francisco in terms of like peanuts, and they would give it away. So it uh, it was a funny, funny commodity at that point in time. Was now, it was it perceived to be valuable back then? I mean, you say peanuts because I want to say that poor people ate it. Well, they ate it in taverns like they did eat peanuts. So no, it was not valuable at that time unless you exported it to Europe. 
Mm. And then the Europeans appreciated it more than here in the States. And here it was just used uh, more for the salt so that they would drink more beer. Ah, wow. That makes sense. And we drank a lot of beer here in the Northwest. Well, in the Northwest, but mainly I'm going to say San Francisco. So they'd ship it all south. Really? Yeah. Mm. San Francisco gets us again in some fashion. Um, so what was the inspiration behind opening a store? You saw this as being a, vi- a viable international marketplace for your for Seattle Caviar, or was this something you wanted to introduce to the foodies in Seattle? Dale exported internationally, but we did want to introduce it to the foodies in Seattle. Um, in fact, when we came up with this idea, we talked to the chefs that we knew, we knew Carrie Sear and Terry Rutherell and Rotero, excuse me. And um, we asked them, we said, if we start importing uh, Caspian Sea caviar, would you buy it? And they said, absolutely. Very important part of the business plan. <laughs> Make sure you have a market. And so, um, Betsy, you were just mentioning some of the terms that we use to describe caviar or classifications of quality. I'm not sure what Ocetra, Beluga, and Savruga mean. Can you help clarify that for us? Those are actually the the species of sturgeon. Um, so from the Caspian Sea, there's Beluga sturgeon, Ocetra sturgeon, and Savruga sturgeon. Oh. Unfortunately, we have none of those in the U.S. anymore. Um uh, a beluga ban was put in place in 2005, and since that time, Russia has not released any caviar to the U.S. Uh, Iran became the legal country of export, and it, it, it was we were receiving Caspian Sea caviar up until 2010, um, and now the U.S. has an embargo against Iranian products, so there's no caviar, no pistachios, no carpets. Hmm, no uh, carpets, too. No carpets. Holy smokes. Yeah. It runs the gamut. Yeah. Uh, speaking with Dale and Betsy Shero of Seattle Caviar, and you can find uh, all of their delicious products and uh, comestibles at caviar.com, which is a great website name. I mean, I can't believe someone's not knocking on your door to buy that from you. Um, I always thought that there was a beluga whale, but we're not getting caviar from a whale, are we? No, and that's a really common uh, misconception. Beluga actually means white. So there's a white whale, there's a white sturgeon. Um, uh, so and, and, and a white elephant and a white elephant <laughs> and, and a pink elephant <laughs> <laughs> and a uh, 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 beluga beluga whale. It'd be a pretty big egg you'd be looking at. It so, oh, be hard boiled. Hard boiled. <laughs> I think. Oh, I love it. Well, let's dive into some of these caviars when we come back from this break. Um, I see in uh, in front of me. I see an ikura. A white sturgeon and a paddlefish. Small little jars of uh, lovely colored, brilliant little black pearls and uh, kind of a orange ruby pearls. I see some creme fraiche. I see some toast points. And I see some bellinis. I am in heaven here on Happy Hour Radio. If you enjoy 
fine wine, you're in the right place at the right time. Washington is home to over 700 wineries and now has more 90-plus rated wines than any region in the world. On April 25th, uncork the best of the best during Woodenville Reserve Night at Willow's Lodge. This is arguably the richest evening of wine in the Northwest. Nothing but award-winning 90-plus rated Washington vintages. Woodenville Reserve Night. It doesn't get any better than this. See WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. Hey, this is Chris Gorman from Gorman Winery, and you are listening to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan on 570KVI. Grab a stool. You're listening to Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Woodenville Wine Country's 90-point-plus Reserve Night with master mixologist Christopher Chan. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. I'm here in studio with Dale and Betsy Sherrill of Seattle Caviar Company, and we're about to open up some of these fantastic jars of caviar. I've got paddlefish, I've got white sturgeon, and I've got ikura. Um, if you'd like to jump in on and have a tasting of caviar, I invite you down to their East Lake Avenue location, just off of Lake Union. What's the address of that, Betsy? It's 2922 East Lake Avenue East. And you have uh, regular store hours where you can come in and, and enjoy a little tasting? You can. We're open six days a week, uh, Monday through Wednesday, 10 until 5.30. Thursdays, we stay open until 7 o'clock, so you have lots of time to come and on Thursdays, we have a an extra little thing where we taste caviar and drink champagne and always make a special little amuse-bouche oh. using, using caviar. Um, and then uh, Friday's regular hours, 10 to 5.30, and Saturday's from 11 to 5. And you actually can come in and taste any time. I could see some people being a repeat customer and hanging out and reading a book and <laughs> enjoying this delicacy. So, Dale, um, speaking of the delicacy, there's an impression that, obviously, we our history says we've outfished our stocks. How is this sustainable? Well, the we have outfished a lot of our stocks and most of the stocks globally for wild um, sturgeon as well as wild fish, if I may. What we have done as an industry in, in 2000, we supported 1998 through 2000, we supported CITES, Conference on International Trade and Endangered Species, as an industry. And today, 99.9% .9 of all caviar is from sustainable stocks and aquaculture. And when we talk about sustainability... For me, it's a term that has not really been properly defined. When you talk to a lot of people about it, there's no definition that we can hang our hat on. I like to go back to the sources of the feed that goes into growing these sturgeon. These sturgeon take from 6 to 12 years to grow out before they produce roe. So there's a lot of feeding going on. EWOS, a, can a company out of Canada, produces a sustainable feed from sustainable stocks of herring and menhaden. So, one, we have good feed. Two, we have good water sources that are renewable as well as recirculating water on these different farms. 25 countries around the world are producing caviar, and the closest one to us is going to be Idaho, right outside of Hagerman, or excuse me, right outside of Buell, a town called Hagerman, and also down in California, Sacramento. So good sustainability on these products. Well, it's interesting you say sustainability, and I, and I understand the food process, the water process, and the farming practices are, are so important to aquaculture. Um, but ironically, we're creating a fish and then taking its eggs. How do they recreate? How do they 
keep going the species. Well, these are all enclosed systems, and they have brood stock that they keep within the farms themselves. They have hatcheries, and they grow these things and uh, fertilize these and raise ah, these. Ah, so there's that the sturgeon up. stud out there somewhere, huh? There's a couple sturgeon <laughs> studs out there, and I like to think we have one in our store, but nobody seems to think that as ah, well. Ah, touche. Well, um, so ikura is a Japanese word for, what does that mean? Does that mean salmon eggs? It means caviar. It means caviar. Yeah. Ah, and yeah. the Japanese love their salmon caviar. Mm. I also mm. love it, too, because it's such a pure, clean, um, uh, distinctive flavor of salmon. Big, rich salmon flavor. It's, it's, a, just, it's a big burst of salmon. Um, I always say it's kind of sometimes a hard sell in the Pacific Northwest because it looks like something you may have baited a hook with. Well, you, know, you got me. The big, <laughs> I'll bite. The, the big Potsky's balls of fire, but it's it's totally oh. <laughs> different. It, it, it's it's delicious. It is delicious. And uh, well, while we're on the idea uh, on this part of describing the profile of different uh, these caviars, um, I love caviars and scrambled eggs. Caviars, caviar and scrambled <laughs> eggs is what I like. Um, it's one of my favorite preparations because you just a perfect accent. Well, that scrambled eggs is a perfect example because you want the vessel that you put caviar on to be bland. So that's usually eggs, toast, uh, blini, which are actually buckwheat pancakes, uh, potatoes, pasta. You want the you 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 don't want anything to mask the flavor of the of the caviar. Now that would be at some baked potato bar, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> scoops of caviar. So Dale, how long does caviar last? I mean, I see these beautiful little jars. Can I hold this for a week or is it uh, time or a shelf sensitive? I'm going to say each one has a different shelf life, if I may. The e, salmon ikura and the paddlefish, I'm going to say we give those about 14 days. But in terms of both of those, they are produced on a seasonal basis. The paddlefish and the ikura both are frozen. The ikura is out of the excursion inlet in Alaska. And this particular batch of, um, of paddlefish is out of uh, Illinois. So it depends on the waters. When it comes to the sturgeon products, those are 100% pure salt cured and those will hold in our refrigeration, I'm going to say 28 to 32 degrees, below freezing. The salt does not allow them to freeze. We can hold them for six to nine months, but in the home refrigerator, we go give those about 30 days. And when we're um, enjoying caviar, what's the most appropriate temperature to serve caviar? Is it, do you have to let it uh, temp up, or do you want it to be chilled? You want it to be chilled. You want it to be icy cold, and you um, typically... Um, you nestle the the jar or the tin in in crushed ice. I, I always like. I mean, caviar is such a um, a regal and what is it? A regal privilege, a regal uh, of God, just gustatory heaven. Um, how how can we? get people to enjoy caviar more and, and to say that this is not just something that reserved for... But I like trying it like twice a year. I guess it's more than once a year. <laughs> so you need to be doing it more often, Chris. I do. I do. Um, I think... I think you just... I mean, it is a food of celebration, but why not celebrate every day? True. Know, and champagne goes with caviar as well, right? Yes. And yes. what was Robin Leach is saying? Who held it? Caviar dreams and champagne wishes, or was it caviar wishes and champagne dreams? I don't know. I'm wishing for both, and I'm dreaming of both here. Speaking with Dale and Betsy Shero of Seattle Caviar Company, uh, check out their website at caviar.com. 
www.thepeakshow.com. Um, in your website, you have uh, all the accoutrements to enjoy uh, serving caviar with, correct? Yes, all the basic. Well, you mean like spoons and uh, creme fraiche, or yeah, or, yeah. We have we have. You're creme a one stop shop. We are. We are. And you also sell champagne. We have champagne and sparkling uh, wine. Yep. We like to, um, right now we're promoting the the Farmer's Fizz Grower Harvester Champagne from France. Farmer Fizz. Uh-huh. Well, the the person that grows the grapes bottles the champagne. and uh, they Yes, the Recolton Manipulant. Oui. Grower Producer Champagne. And so quickly, Dale can, or Betsy, how do we know uh, what flavor profile should we expect from white sturgeon caviar? White sturgeon is a uh, it's a medium sized bead. It has a, a mild nut like flavor that lingers on your your palate. When you when you taste caviar, you'll you'll put it in your mouth and you actually can d- discern the bead size. With mm-hmm. you you can feel it. It has a mouth feel. And then once it's in your mouth, it actually begins to melt because of the warmth of your mouth. And then the 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 once it melts, that that wonderful flavor will coat your palate. And and what's cool about caviar is truly a little goes a long way. Absolutely, these are really Absol- out of an ounce of caviar, you can get twelve nice tastes. So it's it's yeah. a wonderful amount for one or two people to share, or you can garnish twelve little canapes. Yeah, it's truly it. a great garnish too. If you're hosting a dinner party, it's just the perfect touch that just adds elegance and also just the perfect amount of flavor and seasoning because it is a little salty and briny. And it is. It's a wonderful flavor enhancer. Well, you've got my mouth watering here, Dale <laughs> and Betsy, and I hope you enjoyed your time on Happy Hour Radio. Will you come back and? Um, We'll try this more with some champagne, right? We'll just do this right? Absolutely. Well, but we also have some vodka with us today, and that works well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. What's the what's the vodka cheer? The vodka cheer? What's the toast in Russian? What do they say? Prost? No. Doskvadanya. <laughs> Dale and Betsy, thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Christopher, You're thank welcome. you. Uh, hey, so folks, grab that, uh, grab some caviar this weekend. Make it special at caviar.com. And speaking of vodka, I've got Nathan Kaiser here with Two Bar Spirits, which is down on Fourth Avenue, um, just a block past Esquin Wine and Spirits. Nathan, welcome to Happy Hour. It's my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much. So, how old is Two Bar Spirits? And tell me about the name. Well, we just celebrated our 17th month anniversary, so we're pretty new. But the name Two Bar itself comes from my family's ranch in South Texas. Five generations of my family have worked that land with the history of moonshining, and my grandfather was born on it, still works it, although he swears, and I think he'll swear it like this to his dying day, that he never did, but previous generations did. <laughs> Not me, sister. Um, so I've got uh, a vodka and a bourbon whiskey. Now, the, the dist- distillation process is, um, well, tell us about it. Yeah, so vodka is one of those just amazing spirits that's anything that's been fermented and then distilled to 95% alcohol by volume. We've gone with a wheat whiskey, or I'm sorry, a wheat base, which we then take and distill to 95%. And this is actually a classic vodka, um, the way it was made prior to the 1950s. So it's a little more grain forward. And there's those notes of those Hefeweizen that we make on site that come through to the actual spirit itself. It's very sweet. I mean, the first impression was sweet and not aggressive. My challenge with vodkas is that sometimes they're just a little astringent. Do you filter this? I know that there's a lot of talk about seven times distilled and filtered no diamonds and stuff no that's a great question um we actually 
do not filter, no activated carbon filtered. And this is only once through our spirit still to get to that 95%. So this is truly that classic vodka. It's not the new modern retelling, which is 20 times distilled and activated and carbon filtered, which removes all the natural flavors from the spirit. This is truly an artisan spirit speaking with Nathan Kaiser of Two Bar Spirits. Check out the website, twobarspirits.com. Got this great vodka, and it's called just... Two-bar vodka. Two-bar vodka. I'm just not that clever. <laughs> Sweet and simple, or short and simple. Um, and you have a bourbon whiskey. I, interesting you call it bourbon whiskey. What's the story behind this? So this is actually the first all-local, made-in-Seattle bourbon. And for everything, we use all-local grains, and we mill, mash, ferment, distill. And for the bourbon, we age on-site. And so this is actually a blend of 9- and 10-month bourbon. Um, this has notes of butterscotch vanilla with a honey-type finish. Um, and is 100 proof, and people have been really happy with it. We're loving it, and we're continuing to experiment. We're a new distillery, um, always working on how we can improve our spirits. So this is kind of a work in progress, but uh, pretty happy with it so far. And how many people does it take to run a distillery? (laughs) There are five of us, so I have four people working almost around the clock. Uh, You know, I've just tasted this bourbon, and um, it's very smooth. Uh, And uh, I will give credit to... Uh, two-bar spirits, because what I found early on with some of the distillation products we had, the bourbon whiskeys especially, is that they were very, they were a little astringent, a little bitter, a little over-drying. They didn't get the oak regiment down, and they were just not old enough to round out some of those flavors. Well, you know, it's the whole process with making a bourbon is more of an art. The science is well known, but it's how you mash it, how you ferment it, and specifically how you distill it that can remove or make a really nice, smooth spirit, even a relatively young one such as ours. It is. Um, it's delicious, and I wish you uh, the best of luck with Two Bar Spirits. Um, thanks for sharing this today. Um, and you have a tasting hours down at the distillery? We're open every day from 2 to 6 p.m. Your address? 2960 4th Avenue South, suite number 106. Ah, so fun. Thanks for joining me today, Nathan. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Hey, coming up on next week's show, I've got... Uh, well, let me say this. Thanks to all my guests today, Chris Gorman and Madeline Puckett and Dale and Betsy Shero and, of course, Nathan Kaiser. Um, joined, enjoyed having you on Happy Hour Radio. Enjoyed your products. Uh, hope that our listeners will get out there and, and meet you uh, at your work. You guys are meeting me at my work today. Um, and looking ahead, we've got uh, debuts and discoveries on Saturday the 5th out at uh, 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 Madison Park, uh, udistrictfoodbank.org. Um, the Reserve Night in Woodenville is April 25th. And, uh, of course, I'll see you at Taste Washington right after this show. It's happening today, Saturday and Sunday. Next week's show, I've got Arnie Milan from Wine World. We're going to chat about Bordeaux. And I've got Chef Jason Wilson from Crush Restaurants and his wine director, Mr. Jake Kossoff. Hey, as always, life is better with a designated driver. Thanks for joining me on Happy Hour Radio.
19th through 21st. The world is converging on Walla Walla. The world of Syrah, that is. Celebrate Walla Walla Valley Wine. The world of Syrah with winemaker panels, tastings, dining, and more. Compare Syrah wines from Casa Robles and Sonoma, California, Yara Valley, Australia, and over 60 Walla Walla wineries. Get tickets at wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Don't wait. Space is limited and it's filling up fast. That's wallawallawine.com slash celebrate. Looking for fresh marketing ideas? Find them with Christopher Chan and Happy Hour Radio. Just click happyhourradio.net and connect with him today. That's happyhourradio.net. And stay tuned for Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan right here on 570 KVI.